0: Talk a little bit about that this morning. Building with God—it's it's something that's been in my heart, and because uh, it's just not about physical buildings, it's more than that. Amen. And it's—it's it's about dreaming with God. From the very beginning, God allowed Adam to be in the garden with Him. They got to dream together what God wanted to do and what He wanted to think to put in place. And so, part of building, part of spirit-filled living, is God gives you dreams and visions, and He gives that for your personal life. And it allows us to see and dream about change for us, but also things that we can build together in our homes, and our families, in our household, our reputation, our ministries. God's a dreamer and God's a builder. Do you believe that? And so a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned this, this building that um, I was listening to Brian Houston on Christian TV. Brian was talking about this. So we just decided this is the building we're going to build out front. What do you guys think? No. Pass the bucket one more time. Anyway. I don't think this thing's been built yet, but he he had this vision of kind of an oasis at the top. Can you see the palm trees and the kind of resort at the top of those those buildings? It's just like this heavenly resort at the top of these high rises. And I thought it was kind of cool. And uh, you know, on the waterfront there, I think it's in Australia, but it's not built yet, but it's still a dream. Here, what do you think of that building? Would you like to paddle your little boat out there? Climb up the 5,000 steps to get to the top of... I just think that'd be pretty cool. Good retirement place, Jan? What do you think? A place, a place to retire? Look at this. this. This is in China, and this guy built this. Do you think he's a musician, maybe? And uh, he, he built that. It's turned into a studio now in China. The, the guitar is an elevator to get you up and down into the building. Look at this close. This is the Kansas City Library. There's the entrance to the library. And, and here we got Tolkien book, Lord of the Rings, good choice there. Anyway, th- th- that's kind of creative. It lets you know what's going on on the inside based on what's on the outside, right? So what do you think happens here? This is the Pineapple Palace in Australia. You can see this little guy right here. So for scale, that's, that's how tall that thing is. They sell pineapple products, all kinds of pineapple products. So the outside reflects on what's going on on the inside. What do you think these guys make? <laughs> Here's people sitting out front. So that's the scale. This is like a, what is that, an eight-story high-rise, and they make baskets, and they import baskets. And so uh, the Longburger Company, I forget what state they're in, and uh, this is a California contribution. This is shoe repair. It's called the Big Big Shop Shoe Repair right there. So Big Shoe Shoe Repair. Here we go. In India, the Natural Fisheries Development Office in India. That kind of speaks for itself, what happens on the inside. We have one in the United States, too. It's a freshwater fishing hall of fame, which I never knew even existed, that we had a hall of fame for freshwater fishermen. Come on, fishermen. Is that a sturgeon? Is that a pike? What is that thing? It looks kind of like a barracuda, doesn't it? But it's freshwater. Sorry. How about this? this is the dragon building in Thailand. Would you like to take your children there? You think they have dreams, sweet dreams at night? There's a dragon wrapped around their building. So uh, it's kind of an interesting, this one, this one I thought is cool, but this is a hospital that's proposed. It just costs $63.7 billion. So they they haven't quite done it yet, but uh, kind of a cool structure with the, the rooms like that. and And that's medical care. That's you know the price of your health insurance going up? It's, it's building hospitals like that. Aren't you glad? I Googled large churches, and this one showed up. I mean, that's an amazing structure, but it looks like it's in Gotham City or something. The background is kind of like that Stark thing, but just that ornate uh, side of construction when people were putting that together, and they were doing it for the glory of God. Pretty amazing. And then this one, I don't know about you, how many would like to go there? I, I, don't, I don't even know where it is, but it just got on my bucket list. <laughs> like, That's a place I'd like to see when I can find out where it is. But again, amazing structure. And then last but not least, no, two more. This is, in, this is the largest wooden structure in the world. It's a Greek Orthodox church in Russia. What, what do you think of those little minaret things? I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. Maybe we can add a few to our new building. What do you think? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know, large wooden structure, 123 feet tall, 150 years old, it's still standing. And there it is. <laughs> what, what do you think that for a church? The, the sheep building. We could just call it what the sheepfold or something like that, but or it'd be great for children's church. But that was in New Zealand. I saw the dog style of that one, but when we were there, we didn't see the sheep style. But these are outward buildings, and you know, often the designer on the outside he's trying to reflect what's on the inside. But for you and me, what, what we are, the church is not the building. The, the building doesn't really matter. It's the church that matters. See, I showed up here at quarter to eight this morning, and I, came, I didn't come to church because we didn't have a church until you showed up. We had an auditorium. When you showed up, we have a church. When you come, that's what a church really is. And the Greek word ecclesia has a couple different meanings, but it's really the gist of what the church is about. So when we're building buildings, they might be cool on the outside and there's all kinds of creative things that can happen, but it's not for us what's going on on the outside with the building, it's what's happening on the inside, amen? And so really, Ecclesia could be spelt with C's or K's, depends on your translation there or your source, but it means the universal, total bodily of believers who've been called out from the world and into God's kingdom. So we're the called out ones. God, God's put his hand on us, he's, he's called us, he's saved us, he's, he's drawn us to himself, we're brought out of the world, out of that, and into God's kingdom, and that's who the church is, tell your neighbor that's who you are, and it's another name, Cryakos. another name for church, means belonging to the Lord, so we're an assembly of people, and we belong to him. And it's not as much about the building, but it's what's been happening and going on on in the inside, amen? The other part of it here is it's not the building that matters, but it's building up of the body that matters, building up of the body. And I love some of these definitions that are just come from the dictionary, what it means to build up. I love it because I think it happens all the time on this campus. Number one means to promote the health or the strength or the steam or the reputation of. In other words, because we're the church and we're together in the church, part of my goal and your goal should be build up one another and, and bring health to one another and strength to one another and esteem to each other. And I should be concerned about your reputation and building up your reputation. So when you talk to me, my report's good. Man, that's a good brother. Man, that's a good guy. You can trust him. That's a, that's a good sister in the Lord. She, she's an amazing mom. She's an amazing businesswoman that we promote each other's reputation Another word for build up, it means to, to develop gradually by increments. And I've watched that through the years, how people change line upon line and little upon little at a time, how, how God begins to work in people's lives. And sometimes it's just the, the little changes, the small changes that start happening, that, that start adding up. And pretty soon you track somebody for a year or two years or five years. And their whole family, their whole household's changed because there's been these gradual increments of growth as they've been built up. The other part is to increase quality or numbers. How many of you in here, you'd say Jesus has increased the quality of your life? See, there's a lot, most of the hands. Because when we've come to Christ, I know what I was almost 40 years ago now. I know how I used to think, the stuff I used to do, and I would say Jesus has changed the quality of my life tremendously. Tremendous opportunities, tremendous vision, a shift of focus in my heart that the Lord, he's worked and he's brought quality to my life. And so when we think about building up the, the, the role of the church is to build up. It means to increase in quantity. And also, we got a few empty seats we could, we could add to this house. Amen? We, we could invite some people. We could see other people be touched by the Lord. I like this other definition. It means to form by combining materials or parts to construct. In other words, when we build up the church, you show up. Everybody's got a different gift. Everybody's got a different strength. Everybody's got a little different piece or a part of a calling, and so when we come together and we build up the church, that means everybody's supplying. Everybody's constructing. Everybody's part of the growth. Amen? Yes. Last but not least, building up means to order or to finance or supervise the construction of. So when I think about building up the church, there's people that they're giving. Their support is going to make things happen. Their, their financial help is going to, going to cause the church to grow, the, cause the church to increase, cause the church to strengthen. And we're all called to build up the body. Amen? Tell your neighbor, you're called to build up the body. Tell them, you, you, you're a builder. Say, look, tell them, you look like a builder to me. Somebody who wants to build up, strengthen the church. So it's not just the outside we're talking about. We're not just talking about a new building. We're talking about what can happen in the building that we can use it to build up and strengthen and encourage God's church, amen? So a couple main points just about this idea of building. Number one, you are God's building. And here's what Paul said to the church at Corinth. For we are God's fellow workers, you're God's field. What's the yellow say? You are God's building. Uh, Number two, here's what he said in chapter six, the same to the church at Corinth. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you? Whom you have from God, and you're not your own, for you are what? Bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So he makes this claim in, in several times in Scripture, or makes it plain in a declaration that you and me are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So this is the cool thing. When we come together, whatever flame's in me, whatever fire, whatever passion's in me, whatever passion's in you, Whatever the Spirit of God's doing in you, if it worked right, we'd come full. We would come with the Spirit of God inspiring us and strengthening us. And when we came together with our little flickers of light, man, this place would be a flame of fire for God. And so when he says that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit, I got to treat myself that way. Not just on Sundays, but I have to recognize and understand God's Spirit lives in here. And so the choices I'm making, the things I'm doing, does it edify, strengthen, build up in me this this place for God? Or or do I give a rip about it? Do I live in a tenement the rest of the week and only Sunday think about this is a a place for God's spirit to dwell? This is a place for God's power and passion to dwell. See, he makes it clear here in 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you? Say all together. So all together, when we start giving thanks and give testimonies, it encourages one another. When we're worshiping together, when we share in our story together, when in prayer time, sometimes we circle up, and, and, and when you build up each other, there, there's a strength that happens. That's what, it's not the building. It's what happens in the building that builds the body of Christ. Amen? So even in Jude 1.20, he says, you, dear friends, must build, edify each other up in your most holy faith, praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. Some translations just say praying in the spirit. And when we pray in the Holy Spirit, it edifies us or builds us up. And the more I'm built up, the more I can impact around those around me. So God's given us tools to stay edified and built up personally, knowing that if I stay built up, it can make a difference to somebody else. And time and time again, there's times I'm drooping. I'm drooping. I'm sluggish. I'm tired. And you, because you're filled up, you've come and spoken a word or prayed or done something that's built me up and encouraged me. And that word edify, it's where we get the word edifice from. When we come in the power of the Holy Spirit, we create a building where God can do what only God can do. When we come edified, built up, we're creating an edifice, a place where God can heal of cancer where God can heal marriages, where God can bring uh, hope and, and break off depression. When we come as, as an edifice, we build an edifice because the Holy Spirit's in you and he's in me and we stay built up and charged up and so it's not so much about the physical structure, it's about what's happening on the inside that changes lives, amen? And we're called to build up one another. And that connection comes from, really, a, a connection with the Holy Spirit. He's the one that edifies and changes us as we even pray in the Spirit. So, number one, it's about the, not the outside, the inside, because we're the building of God. But number two, God does pick places. He has places where he pours out his Spirit. He has places where he wants to do what only God can do. And from the beginning in the book to the end, we see there was places where he moved, where he had an altar on Mount Moriah, where Abraham was going to sacrifice his son is what brought covenant into the earth. That place on Moriah is where you know, God showed up and cut covenant with Abraham. And because of that, our destiny has been changed because of the Abrahamic covenant that's passed down to the church. So he's had an altar. He's had a mountain, Sinai, where Moses met. He's had a tabernacle. Then he told Moses, create a tabernacle, a place where I'm going to dwell. And as you go from place to place, my presence will be with you. My power will be with you. And that tabernacle in David's time, in Solomon's time, it, it turned into a temple. There's places where God's picked cities to move. And that's in ancient times as well as in modern times where God's spirit's been poured out in Wales, in places where God picked it. In Azusa, where God picked a street, a place in Azusa to pour out his spirit I was in Luanda in in Kenya. God chose that town, that community. God poured out his spirit in such a powerful way. It changed the neighboring region because of the spirit of God. So there's times he picks places. Aren't you glad he picked a stable? We're about to celebrate Christmas. He picked a stable, a humble place where the incarnate God, he became Christ, Christ became God in the flesh on earth, Emmanuel with us. He picked a stable. We're about to celebrate it. To announce to all humanity that the God of heaven has come down. Because we can't get there. He came down to us to reach us where we're at. Aren't you glad for that? And then he picks the garden. Throughout scripture, the gospels, we find Jesus in the garden communing with the Father. And it's in that garden where right before he was crucified that he, he had a revelation of your sin and my sin. It was in that garden that he took on my iniquity. It was in that garden where he sweat drops of blood because he saw the the sin of humanity and how it separated us from the Father. And he took that for you and me. It was a place that God dealt with him. It was a garden. And there was a garden tomb after the cross. Next there was the cross and the place where he suffered. It was on Golgotha, a place God picked a place of cursing, a place of scourging where where Jesus would be cursed for us. He became a curse for us that you and me me might be set free. Aren't you glad for the cross, the place that God picked to redeem us? And from there, it was a tomb, a tomb that, you know, Jesus was buried and his followers were hopeless, but three days later, Sunday's coming, amen? And, And God resurrected him. He picked that place of resurrection to change the course of humanity. And after that, he told him to go to an upper room and wait for him there. And so these places that God picks from physical places, we can see the names in Scripture, where he wants to pour out his spirit, where he wants his spirit to dwell. He picks places. And when we we talk about uh, building a building, he picks places. But why he picks those places now, it's got a lot to do with the heart, Why he comes to Agape, why he shows up on Sunday morning, it's because of your heart and my heart that longs for him. Wants him to be here. We desire his presence. Amen? And so he comes. So, when you say, you know, some people don't like building buildings, they don't think buildings are worth revenue for the church when there's so much else to do and humanitarian aid and things. Well, uh, it's all super important, but I've been around many places in the world, and, and God pours out His Spirit in places. He picks a place for people to gather, a place for training, a place for hope, a place for help, and He pours out His Spirit in those places. So, tell your neighbor, we need places too. And, and here's, here's just a story where God shares when they dedicated the temple. And I'm going to wrap it up pretty quick here. It says, when Solomon finished praying, so they built the temple. David couldn't do it. His son Solomon did it. This is the first, the, the, the temple there in Jerusalem. And it says, when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled that temple. And the priest couldn't even enter the temple because the glory of the Lord filled it. And when all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshiped God and gave thanks to the Lord saying, he is good and his love endures forever. Wow. The presence of God filled that place. So he works in places. How many would like the glory of the Lord to fill this place like that? Where And he has. There's times when we've, you know, this presence has come so amazing in this place. I think when we were doing that one, our first website, when we are in this building, and we hired a photographer, and he was up in the corner, and he couldn't take pictures because he said, there's a mist in the room. There, there's just a mist in here, and, I can't, and I, I can't take pictures. And I remember that Sunday, the presence of the Lord was significantly just powerful among us. But he fills places, amen, and he fills them for his purpose. Here as he goes on to say, uh, same thing, when Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all that he had in mind to do in the temple and the Lord in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer. I've chosen this place for myself. So God picks places. And he says, it's going to be a temple of sacrifice. Verse 15, now my eyes will be open, my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. Verse 16, I've chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. Wouldn't that be cool if that was over your house or my house? God's name would be there forever and his eyes and his heart would always be there. How about in your own life, this temple? Lord, let your eyes be on me. Well, most of the time, sometimes you don't want them to be on you, but Lord, let your eyes, your power, your ear be attentive to the prayers made in this place. Amen. Amen. And, he, and here's for our next building. This is in the same group of promises, except it's recorded in Kings, not Chronicles. This is for a promise. When I think about what we're building a community center for and why we're doing it, when they're dedicated to the temple, they said this, and, and God asked for the foreigners who Uh, Do not belong to your people Israel, but have come from a distant land because of your name. For they will hear of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm when they come and pray towards this place, this temple. And then hear from heaven your dwelling place and do whatever the foreigner asks of you, so that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, and do your own as do your own people Israel, and may know that this house I built bears your name. So Solomon's saying, this, this place is built for us, for the Jews to worship, but God, we're also building it for the foreigner, that when he comes, he may experience miracles. When he comes, he might know the power of what it means to be prayed for and to be ministered to, and so we're building a multi-purpose room for, for different reasons, for the stranger in the community, for different people to connect, and we're getting you know, asks already for Uh, the Cerebral Palsy Association wants to use our facility for certain things. The campus ministries want to use it for certain things. There's community stuff we get approached about, but we're hoping when they come on, they're they're gonna know and sense the power and the presence of God in this place. And it's not gonna be just for us, it's gonna be for those that don't know him yet as well. Amen? So number three, this is what we're building. We're building a place of instruction. Already in the, you know, it won't be done until probably, uh, you know, seven or eight months from now, but we've got some things planned. We got in late April, we're doing a marriage seminar with Family Life Today, the new radio station. It's a community thing gonna happen here. And from that, we're gonna spin off some other instruction classes. And end of January, Sozo training, it's, it's uh, out of Bethel Church. It's training people how to work through and walk through with other people, how to get rid of inner hurts and pains and stuff from the past. So we're gonna be doing some training in, in our church that time. But there's opportunity all the time that come up for instruction. We got the Bible school going and we're trying to d- develop and expand our Sunday school, our morning classes because we believe people should be instructed and care for it and, and work and walk in the knowledge of the Lord. Anybody with me on that? A place for community and connection and uh, uh, you know, for outreach as well. Things that we want to do for the community in the community. The sports court for just fun activities to to attract the community to do some leagues and different things that we can do as we expand some. So last but not least, everybody works or builds together. This is the same thing when they were building the tabernacle, not the temple, when God started speaking to them, and Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. Read the yellow with me. And he has filled them with the Spirit of God and with wisdom and with understanding and knowledge and all kinds of skills. Once and then, again, again, it, it just attributes to the fact that it's everybody working together, everybody doing their part. Verse 32, and these guys were working in gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood and all kinds of artistic crafts. And then he gave these other two guys, Oliab, son of Ashmach, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. Say, teach others. So, so it's everybody working together, training others, and he's filled them with the skill to do all kinds of work as the engravers, embroiders, and the last line, all of the skilled workers and designers. They were all working together. And I, I, I believe we can get this up. How about you? I believe we're going move to move forward together. We're going to build this thing. This is, this is not what it's going to look like, but th- this is the idea to me when all gifts are, you know, somebody comes in and says, hey, I want to do a kid's art class, and that it adds to what God's already building. So it's the gifts in you and the talents in you and the things that God's called you to do that help add to what God wants to do in this place, and it's going to be for his glory, and good things are going to happen. Do you believe that? Amen. And. This is the missing ingredient in the church, and it's just not here, but as I talk to other pastors, this is the thing that I hear from other places, and it's part of the shift of our culture and the busyness of the times and the other things people are, are dealing with. It's, it's when servant leadership is not part of the equation. You can build the building, but when there's no servant leadership there to get involved in building up and strengthening and encouraging, then then. What God intended for a place doesn't happen. And this is what Martin Luther King Jr. said. He says, not everybody can be famous, but everybody can be great. Wow. Not everybody can be famous, but everybody can be great. Say that with me. Everybody can be great because greatness is determined by service. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You don't have to know about Plato or Aristotle to serve. You don't have to know Einstein's theory of relativity to serve. You don't have to know the second law theory of thermodynamics in physics to serve. Read the yellow with me. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. That's what makes a difference. And putting that up, it's just a reminder to us as we're building and doing these things that we're called to edify each other and build one another. And if we don't, this is what you get, an upside down empty church. You can have the right structure, but without servant leadership and without people, a desire to get involved and get on a schedule and help commit and build, you get an upside down church. It's empty. This is the sad thing. When I was in uh, England several years ago, I was down in... uh, uh, downtown area, London, and out of a building on the side, this really cool church building, I heard piano music, so I ran over there, and I thought, maybe they have a lunchtime service going on, and it was just a little concert, and you looked at the schedule of events, and there's all kinds of secular stuff happening, but it looked like the life of the church was gone. The servant leadership had diminished. Here's a couple other examples. This was St. John the Baptist Church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and now it's the church brew works. It's a, it's a bar now. A cool facility, but the life of the church is gone because servant leadership isn't there. People that are willing to work with the youth or, or work with the kids, when that, that heart's gone from the church, it wasn't, doesn't matter about the structure on the outside, it's the life on the inside, amen? So we need servant leaders. Tell your neighbor that. We need servant leaders in the house of God. Here's the other one. This is in, in Santa Barbara, Spain, church of Santa Barbara, Spain, and now it's a skate park. And it used to be an amazing church facility, but now they just got skate ramps in there, which is maybe a cool thing for youth, but it wasn't what the architect built it for. It wasn't for the stonemasons that spend months and months putting the bricks together and the steeple on the church. That wasn't what was in their heart. They were building something for the Lord, but the life left because servant leadership left the church. And we're not going to let that happen here, amen? Tell your neighbor, not in this place, amen. And last but not least, Moses summoned Bazil and Oliab, and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing, who was willing, who was willing to come and do the work, they received from Moses all the offerings that the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of the constructing the sanctuary, and the yellow and the people continued to bring freewill offerings morning after morning. Now, now look, we, we've raised 560,000. We need a little over 800 to finish this project. We've, doing special offerings. I I know this. We're committed to breaking ground and we're going to build. And God's going to use people on the outside and people on the inside and we're going to get that building done for the glory of God. Is anybody with me this morning? And so all the skilled workers came together. And this was the last line in verse four. All the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded. I'm believing there's gonna be more than enough to finish what we started there and finish the playgrounds and a few projects. We're gonna get it done in Jesus' name, amen? And we're breaking ground soon and we're moving forward, I believe, daily, weekly, whatever we need, the Lord's gonna provide. And I'm saying this, I'm saying yes to the Lord. If you wanna use me, God, through resources and extra things that come in, I'm, I'm saying yes to that. I hope you'll say yes to that, that the Lord will use you and that we can get this thing up and finish and complete the campus that the Lord put in our hearts to do.